I have a recommendation for you this morning if uh, patriotism gets you excited. When you're driving down the road and you have the Stars and Stripes Forever on your CD player, watch your speed. Now, I could at least report, I'm very thankful I caught it before anybody else did. But uh, I had that playing yesterday morning as I was coming back up from Enid, going down 132 and, and really enjoying. It was so exciting, the, the instruments and the drums and the trumpets and all the rest. And I looked down at the speed the speedometer and I said, uh-oh. And I had to pull off in a hurry because I didn't realize I was going so fast. So be careful what you listen to at this time of year, especially as you drive. Cruise controls are wonderful. Um, join me in Psalm 117. 117. If you open up the book of Psalms, more than likely you're going to end up somewhere close to 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. And then if you back up to 117, you'll find it to be the shortest chapter in the Bible. It's only two verses long. Now that makes it sound like a very short sermon this morning, huh? Two verses long. It says in Psalm 117, Praise the Lord, all nations. Laud Him, all peoples. For His loving kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, as we open up this word today and, and glean from it, may it challenge our hearts. May it excite us with who you are and what you have done. May there be a new commitment that comes from our, our very will to serve you to be the person you've called us to be, to learn to say, praise the Lord. Work in our hearts today, Lord, as we spend some time in this passage. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we have to confess that we do live in challenging times. I don't have to prove that point to you at all, do I? I think it's challenging times, especially for the believer in Jesus Christ. You and I both know that the policies, uh, the positions being promoted in our day is more than a shock to the Christian principles. Many of them are a front to our faith, and they're an insult to our God. We see that. We hear the words of Psalm 2, and we can see them lived out right before our eyes. Why are the nations in an uproar? Why are the people devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters from us and cast their cords away. You know, very early in the life of this country, Thomas Jefferson wrote these words. I tremble for my country when I think that God is just and His justice cannot sleep forever. What would He write today? Now, it's not my half hour to bash 
and blast the conditions of this nation, though it could be easily done. I realize that for all the evil that is in our day, this country still has within its borders, within its states, within its cities, within its towns, its villages, many of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Christians who are also seeking to live out their faith under the pressures of an anti-religious system. There are many out there who are making differences with their lives too. Maybe not in changing the course of this country through some major movement, but through the basic witnessing methods of winning one person at a time to the Lord. I want to address this chapter today, chapter 117 in the book of Psalms. It is a short, short psalm, and at that it can so easily be divided and simply to understand. There's two parts. The first one says in verse 1 that there's a call, a call for the nations and a people to praise the Lord. The second part in verse 2 is a reminder why we praise the Lord. I want you to note something about this psalm. As you're looking right there at it, notice it's not limited to the Jewish nation alone, though it was in their hymn book originally. The identity of the writer is even hidden from us. We don't know who penned this. Very likely his focus was well beyond the boundaries of his country as he wrote these things, because he said, praise the Lord, all nations, right? And he says, laud him, all peoples. So who is omitted from this psalm? Have you ever considered the kindness of our God in that he gave his kindness to anyone, any nation, any people, the privilege and the joy of having a relationship with him. He could have easily contained his attention and his blessings to one person or to one nation. He could have blessed Abraham all by himself and left it at that. And not to anyone else or to any other group. He But he blessed the descendants of Abraham as well. And beyond that, he has also blessed all the peoples of the world through Abraham. The Lord could have reserved his goodness only to the nation of Israel. He could have limited it to the line of David. He could have kept it only to the tribe of Levi. He could have done those things. Jesus Christ could have died on a cross for the Jews only. Or maybe if we get a little generous, we could let the Samaritans have a bit of it too. That would have been very gracious. But to add the Gentiles as well? See, the call of the gospel was not just to Jerusalem. They were told to go beyond Jerusalem. And not just to Judea, they were told to go beyond Judea. And not to Samaria, they had to go beyond that. They were to take it to the ends of the world, right? We are among those at the ends of the world. I have some family that hasn't been to Oklahoma yet. They haven't seen Hillsdale 
yet. They say, where is that? They think we're at the end of the world. I said, no, not quite. You can see it from here. (laughs) But nevertheless, it seems so far away. When you think of, of the fact that we are among those included in the ends of the world, we are among the nations and the people to whom the psalmist writes. What is it that we are called to do? You see it. It says, praise the Lord. It said, laud him, if you have a New American Standard Version. And then one more time at the end of verse 2, he says it again. Praise the Lord. I don't think the instructions are hard to follow, are they? It's pretty simplistic when we see that that's what he's called us to do. And folks, listen, it's not simply lip service he's calling for. As if he's requesting us to just offer up some weekly attention to him, uh, to sing our songs, to give our offerings, to hear a message, and then go our way and spend the rest of the week without him. That is not at all the definition of praise, because praise is not isolated to worship services. It's not limited to a Sunday. The call for praise is not qualified by time or date or location. There are no limitations to it. Do you see any in the verse? We can praise Him in the morning. We could praise Him in the daytime. We, we could praise Him in the evening. We praise Him in the nighttime. There is no time restriction here. We praise Him whether we're rich or we're poor. We could praise Him whether we're healthy or we're sick. We can praise Him whether we're strong, we're weak, whether we're tall or short. The call is to all people, right? All people, not select people. As if it's simple enough to say, all people includes you and me. We praise Him regardless of our language, our culture, our traditions. We're not limited to American English, or Jewish Yiddish, or Spanish, or French. God is not deaf to the languages He created. So notice that praise is called for. This praise is the great Hillel in the Hebrew tongue. It's not a quiet whisper. Never meant to be. Actually, if you look up the word, it's got some boastful element to it. A a, a boastful type of statement. In other words, something has captured your heart and you just have to talk about it. Do you have something on your heart that you just want to tell everybody about? That's the nature of praise. That's the nature of praise. If God would dominate your life, your lips would say so. Let loose with that hearty hallelujah once in a while. I think our nation needs to hear it. God's people need to praise Him. Why should we let the critics and the heathen and those that speak the loudest have the last word on our God? Why are we silent when they slam the name of our Lord? 
We are here to praise the Lord. That's what it says, right? Regardless of the day, regardless of the opposition, regardless even of the penalty for praising His name, we're called to praise Him. We're called to praise Him. Oh, how wonderful it would be if that praise was coming from our capital. How wonderful it would be to see it in our laws. How exciting if it would be a nation that is absorbed in finding ways to lift His name on high. The Scripture does say, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. It does say that. And I know, I know, we bemoan the fact that it's not so. It's not so. You see this call I'm reading to you from Psalm 117 is not just to the nations. I know we pray that our nation will hear it, but it's also to the people. You are the people. Abraham Lincoln made that point pretty clearly, didn't he? When he said this, this nation is made up of people, it's a government of the people, by the people, for the people. You may say, but... But the government doesn't give us, give us a voice any longer. It seems that way. And that may be. But God gives His people a voice. When a nation does not praise Him, He calls for the individual to do so. He notices the one or the two in a crowd of hundreds or thousands. He hears the praise of His people, even if the sound of the nation is like a stormy wave crashing on the breakers, God hears praise. And He will hear His people. See, a city cannot drown out a single praise of an individual. The old question was, and still is, I suppose, if a tree fell in the forest and there was no one there to hear it, does it make any sound? If a person praises the Lord in the forest and there's no one else there to hear it, God does. God will. You see, we cannot blame our nation for the lack of praise. We cannot stand before God's throne and give the opposition of our day the excuse why we praise so little. Do you know why you praise Him? Verse 2 is a reminder. It's a good one for us to see. For His loving kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Folks, where would we be without the loving kindness of our Lord? That word, loving kindness, is such a remarkable word in the Hebrew tongue. Chesed. It covers goodness, kindness, deeds of devotion, faithfulness, favor, loving kindness, loyal deeds, mercy, righteousness, and unchanging love. It just keeps piling on the words because it's a hard one to define with just one. 
The loving kindness of our Lord is great. That's what it says. And that's a perfect word for it. But I also find something fascinating about the loving kindness of our Lord. It's not based on us, folks. It's based on Him. It is His character. It is His actions toward us, even when we don't deserve it. A good study of theology in God's Word will reveal that His loving kindness is not manufactured by man. We do not influence His character. We did not make Him. He made us. We didn't love Him first. He loved us first. Even while we were yet sinners, He loves us. He drew us to Himself. He saved us by His grace. And He's lavished it upon us. I love that word in the New American Standard. He lavished it upon us. He called us by His name. He made us His children. He's preparing a place for our future. How much of that have we earned? How much of that have we influenced Him to give to us? It's all loving kindness. It's all loving kindness. Don't ever minimize the loving kindness of our Lord. For all the definitions we can pile on here this morning, just put that word great in front of it and you've got most of them. It is great, it says. It goes beyond our words. And believe it or not, It goes beyond our worship. Sometimes they come away thinking, hey boy, did we really worship today? We've got that worship thing down. His loving kindness is greater than that always. It's greater than our worship. It's greater than our understanding. It's not measured by our actions. It's not even measured by our faithfulness. Because even when we are faithless, He remains faithful. Always. Now, if that can't prompt you to praise, what will? The loving kindness of our Lord. The loving kindness of our Lord is great. See, praise has to be attached to the character of our God. That's what the verse is doing for us here. This is a character that never changes. If praise was attached to the nature of our day, then maybe we won't have many reasons to praise. But it's attached to the nature of our God, is it not? That's why we praise. Because of who God is. Not because of our situation. Not because of our culture. Not because of our society. Not because of our country. We praise because of our God. That's who we praise. It's just as unlimited and just as consistent as our God Himself. See, the text says that the truth of His Word is everlasting. Do you see that? That's another significant reminder that we ought to praise. See, this country, as you know, changes laws as often as it changes lawmakers. 
In this praise, it is the truth of God that does not change. What you have trusted yesterday is just as true today in His Word. There is no alteration. There is no adjustment to societal whims. There is no political correctness here. You see, God's Word is God's Word, and it always will be. Always. Now, if that's where you have set your hope, you have cause to praise. You have cause to praise today. For the truth is just as sure as when our ancestors believed it, and today as we believe it, and if the Lord tarries, and when our grandchildren grow up, and they believe it too. See, truth is not subjective to the times. For the times are subject to truth. And when a nation neglects the truth, the individual must, for all of what it is, praise him. The truth will not change. Show me a believer that questions the truth, and I'll show you one that neglects his praise of God. We are called to praise Him. So I say, listen very carefully this morning. This little psalm was written to the nations. But it's also written to the people. And God must be praised. God must be praised. He is worthy of praise. Don't you believe that? Of all the people in this land, we have benefited from His loving kindness, and we ought to be on the front line of praise today. The front line. Because the, the verse says this, For His loving kindness is great toward us. You see? It's been toward us. He's aimed His grace and He's fired the trigger at us. He's showered His mercy on us. And he still does. He still does. Do you think for a minute that God has reduced his loving kindness towards you because your nation refuses to acknowledge him? We are called to praise the Lord. Not based on what you see in the news, but based on what you see in God's word. Praise the Lord. America is called to praise the Lord. The verse tells us that. You are called to praise the Lord. And in case you start to wonder why, well, dig around again in verse 2 and keep digging and think of how much He's done for you and done for us and He's still doing it now. By His grace and His mercy we are right now. His loving kindness has not failed. It has not ceased. The verse simply says, Great is thy faithfulness. See, God is not retired, folks. He is not retired. He's not cowering somewhere in a corner because the nations roar. His attention is always on His beloved children. Always. And they are not neglected by Him. Look at His loving kindness. Explore the unending truth. Rest in His 
faithfulness and praise His name. Heavenly Father, we as individuals stand before you today just as accountable to this verse, as our nation is accountable to this verse, as the nations of this land are accountable to this verse. We are to praise you. And I know, Lord, we have neglected that over time. We have allowed other things to creep in there. Maybe in our attention, but certainly, Lord, in our concern. When we see things not the way they ought to be, we stop. I don't know why we stop, but we do. We stop praising you for who you are. We turn our attention on the things of this world and we forget the faithfulness of our God. Lord, we came to praise you today. We praise you for who you are and for what you've done. The fact that you consistently work in our lives, even at this very moment. You're working in our lives. You're making us more like Christ. You will not stop in your faithfulness to us. We praise your name today. We praise you for who you are. And in that, Lord, we rejoice. Thank you. Thank you for the reminder we so desperately need. Impress it upon our hearts. And may we be on that front line of those who praise your name today and tomorrow and in the years to come. We ask that, Lord, that that work be done in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.